0: Welcome to the MFA Made for Agriculture podcast. Here are your hosts, Adam Jones and Cameron Horine.
1: Alright everyone, welcome to another episode of the Made for Agriculture podcast. My name's Adam Jones. And I'm Cameron Horine. And we are south of we're not south of the border today. We're close to south of the border today. it feels like south of the border. It does. Especially when somebody starts to let, starts talking like that. So um No we, special guests, no nothing intro. <laughs> no special guests, no intro. This is it. So, just you. So uh, our guest today, uh, district agronomist for uh, Delta Region, District 10 for, for MFA. Uh, Jesse Surface, I'm going to let you introduce yourself to everybody listening.
2: Yeah, I'm Jesse Surface, district agronomist. Basically, St. List, almost Memphis, over those arcs. Uh, been with MFA going on eight years now, I think. Uh, went to college at CMO, farmed and went to college, and went to work for MFA. and Started out as a consultant, and now I'm district agronomist. He's gotcha. a rodeo boy, ex
1: rodeo.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing worse the back there in mine. are <laughs> so, like, looking out my back My sister so.
1: <laughs> Ex rodeo. There's a lot of ex rodeo people out there. <laughs> some some of us learn to grow up. <laughs> Not that we wanted to. But some of us. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. And so when you hear Jesse talk, you like I said you know we're we're talking a little bit about um, agriculture in a different part of the state part of our trade territory that most people are probably not as familiar with. I know I am certainly not as familiar with um, myself so I find a lot of stuff that you guys probably think is very basic very interesting and so I think what we what we want to try to do today is just kind of get through some just generalities of kind of the Delta region of Missouri and, okay. and the northern Arkansas and uh, just kind of some of the some of the things that are different and probably a lot of things that are the same obviously just with the drainage that had to happen, I guess, on this landscape and whatnot, to, in order to make it be arable land, essentially make it be tillable land. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. So we have a lot of different soil types. You get a lot of different river bottom soil types, typically probably more sand, more sandy areas. Is that kind of okay, broad scale to say, or is it just in pockets and it goes from sandy to super high CEC soils and just right down the road? or I mean, yes and no. Yeah, I mean, you'll have especially the further south you get. because
2: okay. Right here, I mean, this is a big sand blow. Okay. But you go drop right down there. There, right. it's all heavy gumbo, and then you right. closer you get to the river, sure, where the water stood back in the day, it's all heavy gumbo. So you'll have great big areas that'll be sand gumbo right there next to each other. and Then you got this great big rice area that's nothing but heavy black gumbo for. Thousands and thousands of acres, right? Just right. all kind of depends on where you're at and kind of how the river flows. Through. I was gonna say
1: history of old river channels, <laughs> meanders, and all that kind of stuff. So, when what settled out where? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, just super different than what most people are are up to. Um, <clears throat> you just tons of historic drainage here with with it all kind of being ditched and and then you know in the sandy areas we're talking irrigation um, and. Looking at your window, uh, we can see like four irrigation pivots. Um, Is that when most guys are running now or have we made that transition? I know there's still a lot of flood irrigation going on as well. I I mean, so sand is pretty well all pivot.
2: Okay. I mean, guys try not to level too much because strip off the top six inches, that sand, you have beach sand that's nothing. and You basically got to build it up from nothing. Okay. And if you can get away and there's some of this ice cream dirt that's mixed and even the heavy dirt, they'd much rather grade it and flood irrigated, so i okay. mean it seems like a lot of work but you start changing pivot tires and have to make sure that thing makes circles every day and all <laughs> a lot less work rolling out poly pipe
1: yeah. yeah yeah it's on, on one end
2: of the day. field and then they've got it graded where yeah it and runs. it's then it's graded on top of it so you get rid of all your wet holes not all your wet holes you might get bottoms of, uh back up out of the ditch or something but for the most part you get surface
1: water all around the water. okay um <clears throat> I love that you used a phrase that I've heard a million times and so I'm going to make you define it now. Can you tell me what ice cream dirt is, please? Because I hear everybody say that and I always chuckle when somebody says it because I'm like... How do you know? Like, does the guy who has ice cream dirt? Does he know that he has ice cream dirt? So everybody's (laughs) gonna give you a different definition of ice cream dirt. You can go talk to farmers
2: up in Northwest Missouri. His ice cream dirt is gonna be different than mine. (laughs) But to us, it's just a good mix of sand and clay. Okay, dries out fast but holds good moisture. Okay, you can water it well. It don't crust over. It don't blow too bad. It's just everybody loves ice cream, so everybody loves. That would be their pick is ice cream dairy. Okay, mm-hmm.
1: so that's where the ice cream. <laughs> all right, no, I'm not picking on you. No, I just, no, I really love that term because I like it gets thrown around yeah. like all over the place, and I, like you said, everybody's got a different definition for it. So I think it's funny. Um, crop rotation in this part of the world, I think that would probably be a good good place to start. I, maybe there isn't a, a set rotation, but um, obviously you're growing some corn, soybeans. There's some wheat around to and some of the sandy stuff. What else is thrown in there in this part of the world to two crop options, I guess we'll say. And I mean that changes from farmer to farmer. Okay. Uh, it all depends on
2: what you got and most guys if depending on where they're at, I mean you still got a lot of guys that just do the standard corn wheat beans. Okay. Then I mean put wheat behind the corn, plant double crop beans. And for some reason if you don't get wheat planted, you plant early beans and follow up by corn. Pretty okay. simple out the rest of the world. Uh, but you get in some of these guys who are growing cotton or rice or peanuts, it changes. Uh, like a lot of the peanuts is just starting. I mean, there's some right down there in my road here, and they're just slowly getting bigger all the time. A lot of guys invested in Delta peanuts when they put the new plant in Jonesboro. Okay. They're building a new one in Kennett now. Really? Yeah. Okay. So it's that's getting getting bigger and bigger, and it's a good rotation. We might talk about it a little more later, but it's a good nematode option if you have got nematodes in there to get something different in there.
1: So that's not that's not a dedicated acre either. They're they're running peanuts
2: in some sort of rotation. Yeah, and uh, and actually you talked to the guys in Mississippi and Georgia. They would much rather you especially university guys much rather you put anything in between there. Because peanut on peanut, just like anything else, your disease pressure gets up and you don't have a lot of good things.
1: Right. right. Like in Georgia
2: they have to spray fungicide like four and five times because Jeez. a lot of them acres have been
0: peanuts mm-hmm. in the past four years.
1: Oh interesting.
0: Yeah, it's just like doing corn on corn. You know, yeah. if you have corn on corn, your disease pressure is going to start yeah. to build because you're going to have those overwintering structures of those fungal spores um, in that soil. And it's just going to make things worse. Yeah. And then, of course, with your the cotton, a lot of guys
2: own their own ground. So they just they figure out the rotation that works for them, or if cotton's a little higher and they want to put a few more acres out, or they can spend, brand, go buy a brand new, almost million dollar cotton picker. Yeah. Better believe they're going to grow more cotton
1: cotton there and then
2: of course the gins own some ground so that's usually designated cotton acre anyways
1: okay so how exactly does that I mean do they just lease it out to somebody just like what or are they actively involved the gin if they own the ground are they are they very actively involved in kind of the production aspect or they just kind of lease it out and say you have to plant cotton here
2: basically they lease it out you have to plant cotton and then a lot of them will say okay if i give you 500 acres of our ground you have to bring me 500 acres of your own cotton to my gin
0: on top of it. So when you say bring 500 acres, is that just bringing 500 acres of cotton, or is there a certain standard saying, hey, you know, you have to bring so many bales or t- so many tons off this 500 acres? Usually it's just
2: 500 acres. I don't know the specifics. I gets into some different contracts. But from my understanding, that's just.
0: Right. And I mean, I obviously, you know, years are going to be dependent on how yeah. good of a cotton crop is. So it's going to change yeah, obviously. So it's so hard to say, but I, I mean, if you
2: grow good cotton and you go to a cotton gin and they know you and know you raise, you have a pretty good chance of getting whatever you want. I know a few growers that actually turned down acres because they're already farming too much, Yeah, but they said, yeah,
1: like we can pick up whatever ground we want and we're happy where we're at. Hmm. Interesting. That is. So what did we have? Head corn, soybeans, wheat, cotton, talked about peanuts. Rice, rice. There you go. I knew we were missing one, or I feel like we're missing at least one. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Uh, So rice is basically, I mean, you grow rice because you're on heavy dirt, or rice has usually got that fit. You can put it on ice cream dirt and do fine if there, but it's one of them deals. You just got pockets that are just big rice country.
1: Okay.
2: And you got to make sure you have good wells to pump good water.
0: So rotation on rice is rotation. Is rice more Year after year after year, or do, you, do you like to try to put bean? I mean, some guys try to put beans in in between, right?
2: So, in our part of the world, most time you got a bean in the middle of that.
0: And bean. It, so you do a rice one year and then beans, and or do then you, then you rice a couple of years and then beans? No, rice then beans. Okay. Not saying it couldn't change
2: or something happened, but in general, guys, I do a rice bean. Right. Rotation. with rice being so labor intensive. I
0: was going to say, bad. is that is that also from weed control aspects of it? Just you know, trying to help. Yeah, that.
2: and matter. I don't want to get off chasing a rabbit, but I had a few acres that we didn't. It was right before we got them three weeks of rain here, a month and a half ago. And we have very little any pigweeds in there. But we've done it with Extend Beans. We've done a really good job of keeping our beans clean. I mean, in water will smoke a pigweed. Then you won't have none out there. Yeah. So so, it, so, as far as the pigweed deal, as long as you manage your beans right in the past year, I don't like saying this out loud, but you got a little wiggle room. It's not right. how I want to do it, but right. weather kind of contradicted what I like, and it worked out pretty well. Hmm. Probably won't ever happen again. But
0: <laughs> what, the weather working out? That's uh, correct. That's not, <laughs> I, me I, mean, oh, I mean, let's <laughs> yeah. be honest. We talked about it earlier um, before we started recording. I mean, Now you guys are wishing you had some rain. So. Yeah. I think so. We sit here today, and in three weeks, we ain't had a measurable amount of rain. And it's been 95 most days. Yeah. Yeah, and like we talked about pivots. I mean, when you're in that situation, these pivots are basically just running circles the whole time. Right? Yeah, and it's hard to keep. It's hard to keep up.
2: Yeah, no, you just
0: every day it's running And once we
2: start putting on ear, they probably won't shut off.
0: Right? So, I mean, I guess kind of an aspect that you know we kind of blew through. You know, when we were talking about um, flood irrigating, um, one, I guess that's maybe one benefit of flood irrigating compared to a pivot is you can put the water on as the water stay a little bit longer compared to You know, if you're in a dry spell like this, you're trying to keep your pivots spinning around, you know, going in circles. But if you have flood irrigated, is that water staying a little bit longer?
2: Yes. I mean, you're getting, you're putting more. Instead of looking at the inch of water you're going to put on with a pivot, you're putting on a whole lot more. Right. The struggle you run into with there, and it's what we're running into right now. We're trying to water corn, trying to water beans, trying to water rice at the same time. And very few guys have every acre of rice that has a designated pump on it. Right. So you're sharing it between two different things. It's hard to keep and, up. And right now, we've been making the choices what do we water, water for the next three, or four days? And, right. well, and if you just got rice and beans, you're like, well, okay, well, beans can handle stressing for a couple of days till we get through this joining period where they slow down on water uptake and we throw it to it. Now, if you got corn, basically you're stuck watering your corn at night yeah. and throwing it back on your rice today and hoping for the best.
0: Gotcha so just out of curiosity, because just doing our test plots down here, I mean, is a little bit different from all of our others and, you know, we're playing, most of ours are in flood irrigated hipped beds. Um, Is there any reason why some guys will, you know, they'll regrade their field and rehip it every single year. And then some guys, you know, they'll just run fallow, you know, they'll just run the same hips over and over. Is it just because it's less labor intensive, or is there something to that?
2: I don't want to say there's something to that. And when you say regrade, are you talking about land planing or
0: Well I'm just saying, you know, some sometimes they don't rehip them. So they'll just, you know, go Stay, back
2: yeah, they just you rehip rehip it in the fall and still about it in the spring. Correct. Or knock the top out of it with a dirt. Correct. Ball. And I think it's all farming practice. I don't want to say it's better either way, it's just what you're used to. Yeah. And some of this dirt needs to be ever so often needs to be worked down and putting a better bed back up.
0: So it's kinda of like conventional till versus no till. Yeah. When you're not thinking about the boot well, hill area. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I like the idea of rehipping right behind it, but we get in a wet
2: year and then all of a sudden you've got you forced it with your spray rig or you force it with uh, the combine and then you got ruts and then you then you have to do something
0: about Absolutely.
2: It. Now, when we look at rice ground, because I got the question today from a new cam we have. He's like, Why does everybody work their rice ground down every year? Well, if you got levees in it and you go back to plant beans, Until you land plant it, you never get rid of them bloody fully. So that leaves you having to work it down, land planting it, and then
0: rehipping it back up so it will water correct. Makes sense. Hmm. Sorry, we got off on a tangent about the irrigation and flood stuff, but yeah, kind of moved on from rotations. And actually, I have some buddies
2: of mine that are 100% cover crop. They do very little rice and them makers still get treated, but all their cotton and peanut and gets a cover crop on it. And mice, for some reason, they're it I they Right. Yeah, and I guess cover crop and they plant right into it. That's
0: something it. I've seen too. Is I mean, um, you know, we we'll probably talk about row spacing and stuff like that. But I've seen where people are planting rye in between or every other hip. Yeah. You know, so just because, yeah, because especially on some of the sandier ground, you know, oh, you're oh. looking at the wind. You're blowing You're going to lose a lot of soil because yeah. of that. So it's kind of a windbreak, right? Yeah. yeah. And like I said the other guys are like 100% cover crop.
1: So the. The hips will last that long, I guess, to leave them without disturbing them. For I don't want to
2: say they'll last that long. These guys have been doing it four years, and we were talking about it this morning because I was just kind of questioning them on some different things before we are done this. And yeah. Yeah. They figure every soft, so they're just gonna have to work it out. Sure, you're really gonna have to read
1: because I mean, if you're depending on that to carry water from one end of the field to the other, I mean, at some point, and, and gets, they'll
2: tell you it takes them longer to the water now. Now, part of that is from they have a good cover crop going in there, so it's actually going down instead of running. It's going down in the ground instead of running down. The field. I was gonna
1: say it may take them longer to water. You in theory, you're probably retaining that water yeah, a little better, better
2: or versus some of this stuff that they work down and throw back up that water.
1: It's going straight. It's going yeah, straight it's to the low end of the field. Yeah. And then I mean, it soaks into an hitch.
2: extent, but at the same time, you got a layer there. It's going to hit and going to run down. And then I also got some other buddies who, they're 100 percent no-till as much as they can, outside of running a plow for the middles. Yeah, so they can get water down. Right, and it works really,
1: really well for right. them. Well, I would think. I mean, depending on soil types, I mean, like we discussed, I mean, some of that sand and stuff. I mean, man, I, I would think you would want to just absolutely not kick that around
2: yeah well that's why you see this field right here
1: nobody yeah i mean there's a few guys that burn off but we're slowly getting away from that right right mm-hmm. i mean yeah 100 percent moisture retention there it's like the, yeah you don't want it to blow away or yeah that between blowing your actual <laughs> dirt away and then yeah yeah not having a water sure yeah so let's dive in a little bit then to so you said most guys um Vary the rotation a little bit, just kind of depending on what market strategy they have. Maybe they're tied to a cotton gin or something. And I guess, like, as far as a rotation thing, like, we're so cotton is something that a lot of guys are growing, uh, like, year over year? Or are they kind of working it into a rotation? On certain ground, on. yeah, it's year after year. Okay. Now, some of their own ground that they
2: don't have to, they, they try they to mix it up.
0: Okay. So I guess also on the rotation piece, let's just, like, let's just... Man, maybe this isn't clear, but you know, you, we said it's different on everything. But can we say that depending on what the price of cotton is, is it kind of the main factor on depending on what you're? Um, oh, 100%. So, I mean, if the price for cotton is right and stuff, more people are going to go to that acre and that's going to affect what their, rotate, what their rotation yeah, decision is, right? 100%. Yeah. And that's
2: probably cotton prices fluctuate acres more than anything do for the majority of this
0: part of the country. Right. Yeah. That, that's what I thought. Is that, base, I mean, you know, you hear the phrase all the time, "cotton is king." Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's really the main decision on what how people are going to do. Are the they
1: rotation. forward marketing a lot of that then? Because I feel like, I mean, you can't really say, "Well, the corn price dictates whether or not I." You know, playing forward market it, you know because yeah, I mean, you don't know what you're going to get until <laughs> yeah. you sell it. So, I mean, are they contracted with you know with some of the gins? For I, I assume they would be. For I know time, you so. can
2: contract it. I don't yeah. know how much of that goes on. To be completely honest with you, yeah. And to be, I think that's why the peanut made a big how that come in. First off, guys wanted something different; they want to be special. But sure, then it gave them a good rotation to get away from cotton and get yeah. to be tied for something
1: you mentioned they wanted to be away from cotton is it just because it's so in management intensive or no i mean if you just go walk through a field that's
2: not had cotton on for two years and you plant cotton and you go over to this field of cotton that's been there for 15 years like you can you can tell a difference yeah it just they don't yield as good i mean you got think there's not a whole lot of something there on a cotton plant to put back in the soil or anything like that
0: right yeah well correct me if i'm wrong but technically cotton is a tree, right? Technically, that, yes. That we have turned into a annual yes. farming plant. That we pretty well kill before we Correct. Okay. That's it. what I thought. I was pretty sure there was yeah. technically a tree that we decided we were going to harvest every year. Now, if I got told right, you can go to Africa Africa or South Africa and find
2: actual cotton trees that are legit trees that still grow cotton on it. But with cotton, you can't leave it out there because it will never produce as good as it does in the very first year.
1: Okay. So you, why, you 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 in theory could, it's yeah, just basically you you're not going to get yeah. anything out well, of it.
2: Well, I don't know so much here because we get so cold in the frost, I think right. you'd kill it anyways. But right. If you get down in South
1: Mississippi and all, where they got good
2: growing conditions, you probably could.
1: Yeah. Huh. There you go. I didn't know that either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's interesting. So how many, like, when you say you have to kill it at the end of the year, so you're, you're saying when you're planting, you're doing weed control... And then you literally have to spray something to kill the actual plant at the end of the year. So, so. you spray something. Most of the time it's twice. Just in yeah. my defense, I'm
2: mean, a no. North Missouri guy. Yeah. I have no idea. Wait, well, don't you got a guy up there somewhere that <laughs> throw cotton <laughs> in not, and turn it into cotton? In, right? That was
1: that up. was actually that was my hometown. <laughs> around Baller and shipped
2: it down here.
0: Yes, yeah. that was my hometown.
2: <laughs> uh, no, yeah. You, so you got a bowl opener that actually okay. take and open the bowls force the bowl open it and then it's called default. you got different products but a default that actually make it drop the
1: leaves makes it drop the leaves okay gotcha interesting seems very pass intensive and that's not even counting insecticides or anything else <laughs> yeah <laughs> right I mean how many times does a rig spray spray rig run right across the acre of cotton per year the overall rule of thumb is
2: you better figure spraying cotton every week not Every other week on a good year, but, I mean, at times it's every week. My goodness. I mean, so we were just talking today, and most guys that are looking, just insecticide passes, two already, and normally they get away with one. When they've already run two herbicide applications. Uh, I'm already hearing aphids are coming in, some few other things, and
0: so they're looking at spraying Bedron again. I mean, it's just been... <laughs> And then, like you said, you're spraying something to open the bowls, yeah, and, and at the end, you're, you're spraying a defoliant, right, so that it's yeah. easier to pick. Yeah, and you know, isn't there? The aren't? Time. Don't you also spray like an oxen or, so, I guess not an oxen, oh, but so don't you spray right. something to throughout kind of keep short. the keep the plant yeah. short, so it's easy fix. as well. Yeah, fix to keep it short, and it's a real big. I don't want to say it's a big deal, but
2: with our extended cotton growing so well, you really got to stay on top of that. In certain rows, you got so guys have started growing on thirty inch rows now, so you. And you got to think when you put something that that wants to grow out close right. together, it's going to grow up. It's going to start to grow up because yeah. it's competing right. against itself. So, get, so in thirty rows you usually spend a little bit more money on picks, but
1: hmm. it's just incredibly pass intensive compared yes. to what you think about with. And you,
2: yeah, the whole we should make fun of Iowa farmers thing: plant, it, spray, it, and forget it. Don't yeah, be like, yeah, we don't get to do that so much. <laughs> Most
1: of these cotton farmers got a great big boat in their shop and never leaves the shop. Yeah, yeah, sitting in the sprayer cab the whole time. Yeah. tax write-off. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: <guess. laughs> not mad at it. I I could do that. Yeah, no, yeah, I wish I had <laughs> had that
1: problem. Right, I don't have a problem. Uh, unfortunately podcast host doesn't pay that well but uh so there ain't nothing in this work, for me outside of just no oh, sorry so much for that probably should have waited until the <laughs> end to bring that to you uh so let's move over to the rice because i think that's kind of the other uh interest or another one of the interesting ones that most people probably don't put, don't know about so is it all drilled or what are you looking at for row spacing on on rice most of the time so, we'll talk about levee rice first. Okay. Levy rice, patty rice, however you want to do it.
2: Okay. Uh, everything around here is seven and a half inch rows. Okay. I know you get on into southern Arkansas. There's some guys on 10 inch rows.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, but for the most part, it's all seven and a half inch rows. Uh, and then, of course, we come in and pull levees, and we put in what's called a gate, which is just a big plastic tarp you put in, you cover dirt on it, and you put a board or a rod underneath it. That way, so you hold back water back in each patty. Okay, right. And that's pretty well how that works. I mean, so when the water gets so high, it flows over into the next patty and flows over into the next okay, patty. Okay, I got you. So it's basically a little spillway yeah. between each yeah, one. Yeah, that's what it is, in between each okay. levy. And pretty well, like right now, we can't even... mention to y'all earlier, we, the rice has taken up so much water and we're so hot and dry that we can't even get water down to the bottoms of our, the very right. last pans of our
1: rice. So, I mean... I got you.
2: It's just... So Not how soon
1: do you flood? I assume it's you know dry when you plant, yes. right? And well, so then it, the you oil. can water seed
2: some too. Out on okay. airplane, you can do a lot of different things. But in general, most guys, if you're drilling it, I guess like what we said, uh, you're doing a drill. So yeah, you can go in, and work it down, and do whatever, however you like to, is that? And drill it, spray it, and then if we got good weather, 30 days, we're going to have it underwater. Okay. Uh, at the most, 45 days, and that's stretching it. This year we had some stuff that went more like two months because when you have three weeks of wet weather and cool and conditions and nothing was right for us to get in the field to get levees pulled and get stuff sprayed, so we could have
0: timing. But in general, thirty forty five days and we got watered on it. So why are we putting water on it? Just let's go through why why are we flood why are we flooding rice? So the big deal is is weed control, one hundred percent weed control for a lot of our grasses and different things
2: like that. Uh, and then the next thing rice actually. It never gets talked about much but rice uses a lot of water in different parts of its life and right now we got the joint moving so it's trying to figure out how big of a head it wants to do It's trying to start forming that and it's putting out leaves every few days so it's it's sucking up the water right now and it'll kind of straighten up and then of course when we get to grain fill again it'll go right back to the same thing
0: got gotcha. lots of water so a lot of it's for weed control, obviously, because I mean it is a grass species. So you know, trying to control the other grass species in it makes it a little more challenging. Um, and then just the fact that it uses that much water—that's interesting.
1: So it doesn't—it not doesn't necessarily have to be flooded to complete its life cycle,
0: right? I mean, it just no it makes it
1: have to be, but right, yeah. it just expedites things, I guess, a little yeah. bit.
2: And I, and actually, I don't this gets way over my head scientifically, but there's something that when you put the water on that crop. It speeds itself up because the rule of thumb if you got a lake crop if you can force water on it it'll it'll make it move faster makes it mature yeah quicker
1: <laughs> well I mean it's an aquatic plant so it probably thinks oh it's hey it's time to do something yeah it's yeah it's like oh you know my my time is up yeah let's let's get going so interesting
0: and then obviously you're pulling the water off before harvest yes probably so basically depending on soil type and what all we kind
2: of got planned 30 to 60 percent of that head turning brown will pull the water off and the idea of it you want to pull it off early enough so the rice crop actually finishes pulling what extra water you have and it's dry when you're ready to go
0: that makes sense so then you're not so you're not you're not tracking your field up real bad yeah right
1: so harvest on it is about like maturity for for rice is about the same as every time is it Harvested in earlier, later? Uh, probably a little bit earlier, but you can, okay. you actually, especially our
2: hybrid varieties, you can, you can, they want them harvested at 18, 20%. Okay. Just because milling quality gets a little bit better, but try to plant it first April, and it's, if all goes well, you'll be harvesting it in August. Okay. So it's really, that seems very early then. Which, and we have a good year with our corn.
1: I mean
2: yeah. yeah it'll true. be mature by then ain't quite it'll be mature before that, but yeah. And some guys will sneak out there and they gotta be the first so they'll cut it at twenty five percent and then dry it down. Right.
1: Right. Um Yeah, it's just you guys have a much longer growing season, so that Yeah. Yeah, yeah it makes a big difference. Yes.
0: I was yes. just saying a good year they're hoping to have stuff planted in mid March when corn.
1: Yeah.
2: Especially you get into Arkansas, not so much here at Correct. I mean, most time it just seems like we get. Even it was nice in March, but we knew what was coming. We're down there. I mean, five degrees difference yep. can make a big difference on playing the middle of March,
1: right? Versus us. No, you're talking about yeah, frost versus little frost versus a full-on freeze yeah. that makes a big difference. So, but no, it's interesting. So, do they do? Or I mean, dealing with? I feel like you leave a lot of residue because most. A lot of rice is harvested with a stripper, yes. Well, or do you have to? Or you don't just...
2: have to, you can run your conventional bean head, okay? And just you just got to set your combine a little different. I mean, uh, stripper head's a whole lot easier on the combine, you can move a little faster, uh, get across a few more acres, but right, not processing so yeah, much material, sucking in so much. I mean, you, when you use a conventional head, you're looking at running a mile, mile and a half if you got everything set right a stripper head, if you got it set right, you can rock and roll on four and a half.
1: Yeah. Those guys don't have the patience to run that slow anymore. Well, that's the thing is you do buy a stripper head Yeah, I guess.
2: <laughs> Makes for some long days because 'cause I've said a few combines in a mile and a half by Yeah. But and well, so I don't know if I think I don't know if you ever met the Brights. I'll make fun of them. I don't if they listen to this or not. i probably not, not, not. But they come down and had a farm down in Newport, Arkansas and they were cutting rice with a forty-foot Draper head on a six ninety, and he called me. And he's like, "I ain't never seen nothing like this, Jesse." I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, "I ain't never seen so much grain come in a combine like we're doing now." And he was cutting two hundred and forty, two hundred and fifty bushel rice, the forty-foot Draper head. And so yeah, he was, he was putting in there <laughs> That's pretty quick. A lot of, yeah, a material. Yeah, put through a machine. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because he thought he was
0: going to jump out there and run three, four miles an hour. <laughs> he just a watch button. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, that's... but to follow up on Adam's question, like, is a lot of that residue burned after rice? Because, I mean, there's still a lot of residue even after you harvest rice. Yes. Um, kind of, what do you do to get rid of a lot of that residue for the next year? So, so there's a couple of different things. There's a lot of guys that'll come in with a, a
2: Kelly Diamond Air and just get it laid down. Mm-hmm. That way, all winter, if it's laid down and it's sitting in water yeah. and it helps break it down and they can disc it back in the fall. Okay. Uh, then a lot of guys, will just they'll just leave it lay all winter. Cause, I mean, you got that much rice stuff where you're keeping down on weeds, too. Sure. sure. That's going to yep. be your beans. That's going to be the second thing you plant. So they'll fly in there and they'll get some nice days in February or maybe March, or April. They'll burn it all off, leave it set, and then work it all back down, land plant it, and bed it back up for the beans. Okay. There's a little, and there's some guys, that I still see guys around that uh, will hold the water in there, especially for duck hunting, and then they'll take a rice roller the old school way and roll all that rice down into the water, and you'd be surprised
1: how much residue that actually gets rid of. Sure. Well, I mean, if you put in contact with the soil yeah. or whatever, I mean, it's going to speed up yeah. it breaking down, hmm. but yeah, and there's obviously the waterfowl aspect yeah. of reflooding, re- re- But so which is, I mean, that's not a bad reason to do something. No, 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 especially if you're looking for it. So. <laughs> well, and yeah, and you get to shoot some ducks. So yeah. that's not a, not a bad thing either. But, um, and I know that's, is, so patty rice is probably the most common thing folks oh, by, are doing. Yeah, by far. Okay. So is anybody doing, I've heard people talk about road rice before, and I know if, if nobody's doing it, but what's kind of the difference? So row rice would be just set up like corner beans, and you'll have
2: something bedded up. And we were supposed to hit row with earlier, uh, but we kind of forgot about that. But basically, cover it now. You yeah, yeah. Thirty inch beds, thirty four inch beds for like potatoes. Then you got the old cot rows, which are thirty sixes and thirty eights. Okay. So and that's where it's kind of come in nice because if you hadn't ever grown a lot of rice acres, because you were always on. 38-inch beds and you didn't want to take the time to do that, it opened the opportunity up for a lot of growers to kind of try some rice for a change because okay. they can take their 38 or 30s and bed it up, drill rice on it, and then you pull a levy at the bottom of it and then you water down your okay. furrows, water metals um, right. to do that. So I don't know where you were going with your questions. I kind of went blank. So <laughs> get me back on track here. <laughs> no, you're fine. I was just at, kind of asking what the what the difference is. Yeah, in, and basically, just on roads, you kind of hold the water back a third of the way, and it's it's getting real popular, especially if if you. So a lot of this ground was graded on two tenths or even more. So that's the fall every thousand foot. Okay, so two tenths per thousand. Yeah, well, okay. two tenths would be. I don't. I can't do that math quick, man. But basically. <laughs> The higher the number them are so you go to three tenths that's got a whole lot more fall on it. right? Okay. when you okay. do that you have a whole lot more ladies to have to put in. Okay. Well, it's a whole lot more gates, a whole lot more deal brakes and everything. Well this that's where they started doing it at. Like well, will we'll furrow gate down in. And it worked really well and guys are slowly starting to move more. The biggest thing is, unless something has changed in the past year, is real rats cannot be insured. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So if you're looking at something and you, on your insurance Yeah be aware of that or at least to check with your insurance agent and see if that's
0: changed. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's interesting. So is there a lot of guys still on 36s and 38s or has there been a big shift to 30 you know 30 inch rows? No. Pretty for, well,
2: yeah. You get south of me and it's pretty well most guys are on 36s
1: and 38s have been and it's just what they're going to stay. Have
0: been and yeah. what they're going to say. Yeah. Okay. And that's
1: for all crops so they're betting on that
2: um, so your cotton acres, if you're growing cotton, you're either on thirty six or thirty eights. And most guys that okay. are on thirty eights now. Thirty six used to be back in the day. But there's a few guys who don't grow cotton that grandpa and dad were on thirty sixes, so they just gotcha. they stayed.
1: Yeah. All the equipment
2: was set up for that yeah. basically. And then or whatever. potatoes are on thirty fours. Don't ask me why, but that's just
0: what they put them on. And then <laughs> of course thirties are still a big deal depending on where you're at if you're not growing a whole lot of cotton. Right. And with the 30s, some people have, some people with their beds, they're actually making 60. Some people have 60-inch beds, right, where then they're yeah. only irrigating on one side of the row, right? Yeah,
2: on everything, depending on what you're doing, especially 30-inch rows, normally you water every other metal anyways. Right. So okay. they started going, especially it's big in rice country. Um, you just set your bedder up on the 60s. It just, there was one big flat bed, you drill down the top of it and you water down every metal then.
1: Okay. Just seems incredibly confusing. There's a lot of of different. From what I'm getting is there's a lot of
0: different equipment. (laughs) There's a lot of different ways you can, there's a lot of different ways you can go about doing it. It's just how, you know, maybe your dad, maybe your grandpa did it, your great grandpa did it, or just kind of how, you know, you feel. Yeah, how you want to to do it.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and everything has a reason behind what it
0: is. Once you start digging around and it ends up making sense for whoever. Right. Everything has a reason for each producer and kind of their situation. Yeah, you know, depending on probably what their well situation is, what their pump situation is, you know, all of that.
1: Yeah. Interesting. So, just real quick on the on the peanut deal, you said that's kind of new that folks are. I mean, does that require any kind of equipment change, or I mean, it seems like it would. Yeah. So you still use a platter, Okay. Uh, different plates.
2: And you plant it. But the biggest thing is then for harvest, you have to buy an inverter. Okay. And basically, what it does is, however many rows wide, it takes two rows, pulls them out of the ground, flips them over. So the peanuts are out. Uh, of course, I hope everybody knows that peanuts grow underground. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I'm glad you this, mentioned it. This random fact <laughs> is actually, like potatoes actually start on the root and grow okay. the potatoes. Peanuts actually come out of the ground, the vines go back in the ground. Okay. And that's where the peanuts are grown. At.
0: So Interesting, I didn't realize that, yeah. Huh. And then, uh, so yeah,
2: they, they buy an inverter, they do that, uh, and then you got to have a peanut combine, whether it's a pull type out of a tractor or now they make one that's pretty well got a John
1: Deere cab, okay, but it's just a mount, it's just a self propelled peanut okay. combine. So then it comes by. Is it like immediately after they get inverted, or do they leave them lay like in the? Uh, so you, yeah, you gotta up. let them lay and dry a little bit. And every okay. once in a while, if you get rain or
2: something goes out, they actually make a deal that kind of picks them up and shakes them and fluffs them back up.
1: Oh. No, hmm. I'm not sure what it's called, but.
2: Yeah. There's something for that.
1: <laughs> you could make up a name as, far yeah. as I'm concerned. <laughs> No, it's just, it's very interesting having that many different options, I guess, um, well from a grower perspective as far as diversifying your yeah. acreage a little bit. And um, I'm sure kind of once you get comfortable in, in certain systems that really it makes know, yeah. sense for you or whatever, if you're comfortable growing cotton or whatever, or if you're not, one or, one or the other, if you don't want to spend all summer, if you want to utilize your boat a little bit more, yeah, I guess. So more.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, You know. you yeah. We've talked about a lot of crops, but there's also there's a lot of other specialty ones that are also down here too. I, I mean, there's a lot of pumpkins, there's watermelons, pumpkin, right? There's
2: cantaloupe, horseradishes. I, was gonna say, I think we were. Is there sugar beets down here, or is that? Well, I have never seen one. Actually, me and a buddy were riding around looking at his beans here the other day, and I think we rattled off eleven or twelve different crops that are some of them are specialty, but they're still grown on a large amount of acres before it's with. Yeah, and okay. To add it together. Right. You know, anything from potatoes to watermelons to cantaloupes to the peanuts i mean even lots of popcorn down here i know there's popcorn in other places sure but there's lots of popcorn here a lot of
0: diverse diversification yeah. we're diversified <laughs> see i know big words yeah I, yeah i like it <laughs>
1: well yeah i mean you guys just again with the you get you have the Good soil types for, for a lot of those different kinds of crops. You have a longer growing season to be able to there's less risk involved in growing a lot of those things yeah. where, you know, they you could grow those in other parts of the country, but you know, every fourth or fifth year you're gonna something would yeah. Something's not gonna work yeah. and you know, we ends up being twenty degrees outside and that yeah. that doesn't typically go well. Yeah. So <laughs> but but anyway. Um, and you just um, and I know what at the end of this conversation, corn and soybeans would be boring, but are, like, is there anything anybody's doing down here that's a little different than anybody else? Like, um, just on the corn and soybean front, I know they're in rotation a lot of times down here with other stuff, like we said, but. No, I mean, in general, I think our yield
2: potential is a little bit higher because of the irrigation.
1: Sure. Uh, well, yeah, but you, I mean, your investment's a little I mean, too. you're spending
2: more money at the same time. So as far as ROI, I don't know that we're any better than anywhere else. Because right, we kind of have to have water, yeah, right. Like we said earlier, right now, if we didn't have water, we would have nothing growing, yes, yes, uh, yes. No, not really. I mean, outside of it being on beds and watering down middles, and uh, I mean, just like anywhere else, we got guys doing twin rows or doing 15s or 20s or sure stuff like that. I mean, but nothing, of course, everything's mounted, there's no pool type planters. I shouldn't say there's no, but in general, when you plan on beds. You have all stacked fold mounted alert, okay plan- okay
1: and that's just because you don't there's most time you don't make
2: in rows okay so you come in and you have the tail you might put one on the tail end but you got to think you got a hipper mounted on the third that's going to run all the way out to the end of your field because okay. you want to maximize what you water sure and then it goes right. all the way to the crown okay or your field road so most time you don't sometimes fields don't even have any in rows you just plant all the way up to the tractor runs it's Front tires off in the ditch and you pick it up and you back up and you turn around.
1: Oh, okay. I got you. So, yeah, the turn compensation thing with the pull type planer would not bode well for staying up on top of those beds, no. I guess. And, and, I, and there's a few
2: guys do it that's got pivots. Uh, okay, right. And like I know you run a Kenzie on your yeah. farm. And basically, what we end up doing is you take two, two or three units on the front, drop them down, the soybean units. That way it helps it stay on. So, you got some a disc running in the middle. Gotcha. Okay. To keep it Interesting. on top of the beds.
1: Just foreign, <laughs> I guess <laughs> to me. It's interesting because yeah, I mean it's just so. Yeah, I wanted to make sure there wasn't anything, anything like maturity group wise or, or, I mean, corn hybrid day length or anything like that. That is so.
2: Corn. I mean, we'll go from, I think the earliest as far in the Delta is about 113, but then it'll we'll stretch up to 120 and 23 day corn. Okay. Especially you mm-hmm. know Arkansas. I mean. Right. So, well, you jump into Arkansas almost time they start at 117 wow. and go okay. up. Okay. Uh, beans, you can kind of play with them a little bit and do some things different. You can go grab a 37 38 and plant it real, real early, and then that allows you to kind of be in an August. Okay. And get rehipped, do whatever you need to do to your field work. Sure. Get it done, and then.
1: Well, there's probably some price premium. That
2: as well, if you can get an August contract, yeah, yeah. there has been some of that. But yes. most guys have got to the point where we had a stretch there before extend beans where we had a lot of three eights back when 60 bushel beans were a big deal. Well, them guys were planting them, they were short, they could water them fast, get them out, and they were making 60 bushels and they were making good money on that, yeah. And then getting in there and doing whatever dirt work they needed to do and get set up for the next sure. year, sure. Uh, then we'll jump all the way to four seven or four eight in okay. our normal deal. Most time I float. Around a four-five area, but it seems like a lot of the ground that I deal with growers at, uh, we have some really good four-fives and four-fours that work on that dirt. Okay. Uh, I've got a few guys that had 4 four-seven, four-eights that were really good, but it seems like even planted on time, we still get into you get some rainy spells in October, and then all of a sudden you're cutting beans in November in the mud. Yeah. The quality goes down so. I'm not saying we're venturing away from some of that, but some of that whole hog that we're going to plant the whole farm from a four or five to four or eight, we're kind of they were making dang good, but it, it kind of it ain't no good if you can't get them out. No, no, no that's exactly mess. right.
1: Well, and there's yeah, I mean climatically, I guess um, there's a big word for the day. Yeah. Uh, I have to look at up. <laughs> exactly? Yeah, I'm pretty sure <laughs> well, I know so what means. Yeah, to use it means. Uh, the boot heels is significantly different, right? So a lot of the rest of the, a lot of rest of our trade tor- territory, a lot of the rest of Missouri um, falls typically dry. You know, like that's typically when we don't have a lot of rain, um, November, December, like late into there. Whereas the boot heels is very different in that um, late fall and winter is, is historically, historical average wise, wet. That's when you guys yeah, are a wet lot of people. Point. So. Make fun of us like you get all rain down there, guys. Like guys who just never
2: been, don't know anything about it. Thought, yeah, you don't understand, but we get it during planting we get it during harvest. <laughs> yeah, we're driving this right. it's yeah. like everybody yeah, else. It says, doesn't rain. There, right? Yeah, it <laughs> don't do you no
1: good. Yeah.
0: So I'm gonna ask a question, and this could be a large, long tangent, and we could get way off topic, but we were talking about soybeans, maturity, and stuff like that. Has there been with the whole extend piece? Has there, and you know, now that we have Extend Flex, but before we had Extend Flex and we just had Extend, was there a shift of people moving to E3s just so they could have that Liberty option, the the glufosinate option, or is that everybody still kind of stayed with that Extend piece because because of as much cotton is down here? And we all know that cotton is way more sensitive to 2,4 D than dicamba. I guess I shouldn't say we all know. I mean, I should say cotton is more sensitive to 2,4 D than dicamba. So, Kind of where is the shift and balance of that, or is there?
2: I think if you have good relationship with your... I don't know if I should say this out loud now. If you have good relationships with your neighbors, I know a lot of guys get together and say, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yep. Because, I mean, there is the fact of, if you got E3 beans and your neighbor has dicambas, whether he means to or not. It's going to affect it, it. it. There's an effect there. And I, sometimes I think we spray so much dicamba down here that they'll never know where it would come from. It just Right. So they I And to they preface that. Together. I mean, the yeah. part
0: of it is just cuz it's so flat down here. Now, it's so say, open. Yeah. It, it it has the potential to move a lot. Now, in the first couple
2: of years, you could not drive and not find economic damage on something. Right. It just it was bad. And I, every year, and it may be cuz we have more extensive stuff out there, but I know there's a lot of e3 cotton and a lot of e3 beans going out there. Mm-hmm. In the schemes of 2 years ago, we didn't have any. Right. Uh, and I'm not seeing as much damage, but I think I know you got to spend a lot of money for different things, the adjuvants and drift retardants, but I don't see near the damage that I did. Oh, I agree. Ago. I agree. So I think a lot of guys are working together and saying, hey, what are you planting? Where are you planting this? Where are you doing that? And they're communicating better, so it's not so bad. I mean, a lot of it is because the guy in the spray don't want to have to pay out. Right. But nobody wants to hurt anybody else. I thing, mean, even if it's your sure. nemesis. You, you just you don't.
0: Right. And so that's why I wasn't sure, you know, after the first couple of years where we just had, you know, extensive damage if a lot of people had transitioned back to extend, especially with extend flex coming and you know, you having that glufosinate ability to spray on those yeah. beans if you know there's more of a transition going back that way just now I, I think so not being able to put
2: liberty with extend. Yes. I think hurts. Correct because I will say when we have something, anything happen and we get a little tall, we can mix and list and liberty and Roundup, And as long as your growing conditions are good and it's not too hot or not too cold, we have really good results with it. Right. Really good. So I think that hurts a little bit. Cause if correct. You, Them not being tank mix partners. Yeah. Now how many people actually listen to that? We all know kind of, there's always going to be that all somewhere. That's right. I think in general, most guys try to follow the label the best they can.
0: And I think that's why we haven't seen as much damage yeah. too because we've come to understanding like this is how we need to do it to make sure the deal yeah and that's how you know you're not going to hurt your neighbor you're not going to hurt the guy two miles down the road
2: yeah totally it's it's slowly changing i think there's always going to be a little heated and little test because i think some growers like to be different so they jumped on the e3 bandwagon and it's upset a lot of growers who've been growing extend for a long time now they're having to worry about something else when everybody else in their farming community is on extend, but you got this one guy who wants to stick out yeah but they figure out a way to make it work so sure sure so no it's 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 interesting but I I know if E3 keeps if the yields keep being as good as what they have been I'd say there's there's probably going to be Increasing those acres,
0: especially with the unless cotton yeah. coming in Yeah, as and well. some of this I
2: would never heard but I heard some of this unless cotton Got after it last fall like it, it done really really well and some guys are really happy with it, but they're still reserved about Putting in less cotton on there to extend cotton the whole way around it. Yeah. Yep. Cause yeah, because nobody can afford to have
1: that sure Yeah, I mean it's
2: a defensive and I mean the whole extend date We can looking at that tomorrow within enlist
1: Yeah,
2: correct so good to go yep. so yeah, you're you had a year like we had this year. I didn't get to spray back him on a lot of them, and we're going to have pigweeds in some fields. I hate it, but... That's correct. That's just that's just the nature of the beast, and where if we had enlist on them, we'd just
0: go out there and hammer them with enlisting. Yeah, out. you can make sure, you know, as long as you're before flowering. Yeah, as long as you're staying on label with your time and crop yep. restrictions, you're, you're yep. good to
2: go. Yeah. Because yep. it's you say that, I've got anything from corn at V3 to stuff at brown silk and then I got beans that haven't come up yet to or almost our three beans right now. Right. For the year we've had. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's incredibly spread out. Correct. That's more like that's more like um, southwest Missouri, southeast Kansas where you got a lot of double crop beans. That's yeah. you know, that's what they're usually used to yeah. is having yeah, beans What'd that are know? just now being yeah. planted now, and, and beans that are flowering. I mean, area. you guys have that in certain areas, but, but not not nearly as widespread this no, year, as you had to do this year.
2: Some of these guys, that, yeah, never grown wheat in their life, and they're still they just finished up planting beans, and now they're on replant beans, so they can try to get something finished up. It's,
1: yeah, yeah, interesting. Hmm. What do we miss, Jesse? Anything you wanted to talk about um, that we didn't cover?
2: I mean you had something about market options and chasing markets and i guess milo grain sardom whatever you want to call it oh yeah uh, we kind of talked about that earlier before we got on record but that's the thing i see is like a lot of guys like to chase that market yep and then all of a sudden sugar sure, agents show up and <laughs> yeah they start having to dig out combines because they get choked up and are there spraying transforming roundup to try to get in and get it out and then all of a sudden, everybody remembers why grandpa quit growing a long time ago. Because <laughs> we've done the same thing back in 2015. They got a whole hog on a bunch of grains sorghum. Yeah. And well, I mean, then this yeah, price is good the guy true. said, uh, I don't care how good the price is, I'll never grow this <laughs> stuff again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it itches. I mean, and that's just something. And I think we're always going to have that when it goes up because somebody wants want to do something different. And I'm not saying it's sure. bad. And you can manage Milo and do a really good job of it, but you got to stay on top of it, especially well, with midge worms
1: and our sugar cane aphids it's, it's, it's hard to be on top of it if you're if it's something you only grow once every yeah.
2: six years too yeah anyway so, we always have a little bit every year but this year is i don't think it's as big as what it was in 15 but it's, it's a pretty good year
1: yeah well i mean yeah the price is good so uh, i can imagine but and i don't know i mean if if it would ever consistently do that i think there were there would be some guys that would pick it up as a and i think a lot of it is nobody know, they uh I just want like whatever they
2: do acreage reports for corn, they do acreage report yeah. for, corn. they never do anything for grain sorghum. So guys, right, they never know what's going on. And yeah. I think if they would get more into that, which it's probably not worth it, I just let's be honest. But I've heard some guys talk about like if I could predict it better, do a little better
1: job, and they release something, we would probably start growing it more often. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, it's just yeah, there are definitely some upsides to it too as well over corn, but it just yeah, and it's a good rotational crop too. Absolutely. Um, yeah, insects. For sure.
2: Insects are hard on it too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, to Know what you're looking for.
1: So cool. Thanks, Jesse. We invaded your house. We invaded your time. So yeah. I appreciate you taking yeah. time to appreciate jump it. on here. Appreciate and you on. teaching us. Thank yes. You we didn't know yes I know slightly more I will try to retain some things that you said today (laughs) call anytime that's why we that's why we
0: recorded it so you can listen to it multiple times yeah that's right yeah if we get to where we like this we can definitely dive
2: off in some different things yeah
1: no and that's uh, I'm glad we um, I'm glad we did kind of a very broad uh, just outlook on it because yeah I think I know me personally I would have gotten very lost in a deep dive into any one of these things but I, I think you know We kind of covered some good stuff here, and we can do that in the future, maybe. So, so I got one question for you, Adam Cameron. You both got to answer this. Okay. So, would you
2: rather? I wish we could have this known as the beginning, but (laughs) would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred
1: duck-sized horses? And tell me why. One horse-sized. There has to be a. I feel like this is some kind of parable thing um i would say one horse sized duck what's that what you talking there? i don't know at least you could always make sure you're facing the right way (laughs) that's what most guys say
0: (laughs) yeah i don't i don't know i feel like ducks could be pretty aggressive and so so i I feel like i'd maybe rather face a hundred duck-sized horses You stop them a little quicker. Yeah, maybe kick them. Maybe <laughs> kick them a little. Wait, what are you going to do about the eighty that are behind you? <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure on that part. But <laughs> what's, the, what's, what's the what's the right, right answer, Justin? There's not one.
2: There's <laughs> not <an interesting laughs>
1: question to see how people react. To I stole that from another podcast. I oh, love that. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. Well, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll talk to you next
0: time. Thanks for listening to Made for Agriculture. Email comments and questions to podcast at mfa-inc.com.